I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason, Jason Lee, Amy Donaldson, today with our friend and political consultant, I guess we're going to call you today, Ann Dent. How are you doing, Ann Dent? I'm so good. Excellent. Excellent. So we're talking politics, not like that's new. However, uh, our state legislature began this week. Mm -hmm. And as usual, there's always, I always feel like this is a thing, you know, you start out with this big buffet. And then they they whittle, wait till the last two weeks, and then they whittle it down to these things that they're actually going to pay attention to. So, Anne. But it started a little different this yes. year, though, yes. Anne. Tell, yes. us, tell us about this year. We absolutely started off with a punch this week with things, you know, because there is this rhyme and reason usually to how session goes. Things go through this rules committee. That's how bills even hit the floor. And our amazing supermajority decided to skip that process with this mass mandate. And um, they have decided just to go straight past public hearing and committees and um, to go to the Senate, straight to the Senate. So, so public won't even get to say anything about any of these pieces of legislation? Just this, they are trying to overturn, well, they have well, in yeah, the Senate. Yeah, I was going to say, we, we need to back up and yes. say, so there's a mask mandate that uh, the oh, health right. department issued in Salt That's Lake right. County and in Summit counties, and um, the state legislature last, or in special session, actually, um, made it more difficult for local governing bodies to to impose a mask mandate made it easier for local. So if the health department issues a mask mandate, which is what happened in Salt Lake County, the county council can overreach. The county council can overturn that, which in Salt Lake County, they chose not to also Summit County. So now the legislature opens it. And the very first thing they address is the state, the Senate saying we want to overturn this. And it passed pretty much along party lines. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then, and then it went to the house where it has not, um, I don't think it has hit the floor. It has not been. So it's um, in the majority House caucus um, is negotiating with the governor right now on what that looks like. So it might hit the House floor today. I just heard Representative Periucci, who has picked up the bill, um, say that um, it might hit the House floor today. Um, but, you know, we have a two third um, a supermajority is a two-third um, majority. Republican and so, majority, yeah. Yeah, we are a Republican majority, and so it will go on party lines, and so that means it will pass, and so we will not have a 30-day mask mandate if it passes, which it looks like it. this is what's going to happen. Well, see, I'm, and hold, also I'm on holding this out hope. Is that uh, 10,000 people a day are getting COVID. Yeah, our numbers are up, but, but but so the Omicron this this mandate only goes through February seventh. I think both mandates end February seventh, mm-hmm. um, and the governor has already exempted state buildings from the mask mandates. So um, because think, the session, yeah, I but I think part of the negotiation is is it worth the political blowback 
um, and and not from us, the public. They don't really care what we think. Obviously, they didn't have any public hearings. <laughs> it is it is these are municipalities, very powerful, well funded municipalities that they need to deal with. Right? Is it worth the political cost to pass a, uh, an, to overturn the mandate when you're like two weeks from it overturning on its own? And also, Omicron surge is expected to wane about that time, which is why they imposed the mask mandate when they did. I should also mention, because there's been a bunch of discussion about whether or not it's done any good looking at Salt Lake County numbers versus other counties. And and I would say this, you there's it's so complicated, the surge numbers. It's, it's tourism. Why did Summit County get hit first? Not because they did anything wrong, because they have tourism, people coming from outside the state, same as Salt Lake City. And also you have a higher unsheltered population. You have more higher density housing. You have people living in multi-general. You have more frontline workers in these communities. Um, and and then also the quality of mask matters. And I my guess is that there are a lot of people living in my neighborhood, which I know for a fact don't have access to an N95, which is what has been recommended with Omicron. Um, so there are a number of factors. It's not just wearing masks. And I would say also when you have the government leading, undermining, I mean, the Salt Lake County Council had a very rigorous debate, which did not, which you saw two Republicans actually support leaving the mandate in place. And mostly they left it in place because there isn't any plan. What is the plan to mitigate spread? Right. What is the plan to keep people safe? And really, it's about the hospitals. We have over right, 700 over, people right. the hospital. hospitalized in the state right now. It's the highest numbers in the entire pandemic. And you're burning out your health care workers. And, and many of them are getting sick in, in mm-hmm. addition to being burned out. You know, it's we're, we're not helping ourselves by doing this. However, again, people are selfish in a way that is even against their own self-interest. This is what I don't get. You know, if, even if you just think masks are stupid, whatever, for, for reasons that are not logical, obviously, you, you're making your lives harder. If you have to go to the doctor, you got a longer wait now. If you have to go to the hospital, good luck getting in. If you had a real circumstance that, you, uh, that was an emergent condition. We have only figured out a way. We, we, we don't have enough people working in uh, the places we go to, whether they're restaurants, retail, uh, any kind of professional office, because people are just getting sick at such a rate. When they could help themselves, oh, and don't even get me started with the people who are not vaccinated. Mm -hmm. All of this evidence, and again, this is the part that bothers me the most. They're not thinking with any logic whatsoever. This is all just emotional, irrational thought. But that is leading the debate. And and certainly with uh, Stuart Adams, who not only- Which we need to say is is, is a Senate president. Is a Senate president who is a liar- and disingenuous. He he lied. So He's, let's talk he about absolutely that. Absolutely lied. I think you need to say what he happened. Showed, yeah. So okay. he tested positive for COVID twice the week before um, session started. So uh, Wednesday it was announced that he tested positive. That same day he went to a tax event um, that was held for legislators maskless. And then um, announced that he his five days would end the day session started. So he shows up for session. They tested all the legislators, um, and he annou- they announced that he tested negative twice. And then when the heat was on him, actually, Salt Lake Tribune requested the records. And then it was revealed that he actually tested positive that day. But the Senate never said he they still said 
it was a mixed. They never, they said it was a mix. That was their statement. It was a mixed result. Yeah, because one was positive, one was inconclusive. There, and then he said he got a negative test. I don't know who's seen it. I don't know. But my my, you can keep testing. Till, I mean, it's like, you know, I've known people who've done this with the pregnancy test. You can take eight tests. It doesn't change the result, right? right. And, and I think the bigger issue is when you say five days, five days is what the CDC changed to with Omicron in, in order to keep our society functioning. If you're vaccinated, then you're suppo- then you can isolate five days, and then you wear a mask for five days after that. He didn't ever do any of that. Well, and he I don't is even know also that he, he is also. I really want to point out. So he is leading. You know, the Senate president leads the Senate floor. He's the leader. So they were in session all day. There was a senator that brought his baby there all day. There is Senator Iamoto who stated she is quarantining from her 92-year-old mother. So there are people in this room that you want to protect. And I guess I this is what you said, Jason, and I, I don't understand in this great state of us being this Christian-led state of helping others and watching out for others. Since when did we become so selfish uh, that wearing a mask and watch you ago. no but here's here's let me let me just play devil's advocate because we don't have any of those anybody here who believes this but i was told we don't believe the masks work so why would we wear them and my my feeling is this the healthcare professionals are telling you that they work if you have the right ones so why not focus all this energy we're having on fighting about it on getting everyone a decent mask so that people that we can just do the minimum, because we're not going to convince people to take shots. They're ne- they're fighting the federal government on that mandate. So my feeling is we're spending all this time fighting about you telling me what to do or you making what to. If we just listen to the healthcare professionals, if we just listen, every public health official is in agreement on this about what to do, and we can't follow their advice because we're too busy worrying making it political. So I don't but know. It is I, I listen. The, I mean, we we got to stop saying that. I mean, it is political, and it, and it is going to be political. We have to own that we society. Made it I mean, that way. and so the fact that it is continuing that way that that doesn't change. You got it. one one last comment. So this is I listened to Representative Piriucci this morning, and she said that there is a study done. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. And I can't think of the town now, but it's been going on since September. They have had a mask mandate. They're the only town that has one and the outskirting towns do not. And there is no difference from the town that has a mask mandate. And so they are finding these studies and they are finding, you know, health professionals. That That's why this has been so hard. They are not finding a public health professional who says you shouldn't mask up in an N95 no, I would but like they, to know what masks are, those people wore. Right. They're okay. finding – this is why it's so hard is yeah. because they are finding – I'm putting pro, to go yes, to the orange. professionals <laughs> in asterisks, yeah. right? Because they want to just do whatever they want to do 
despite what they're supposed to be doing. Yes. When we come back, we're actually going to get to some of the other politics <laughs> that we should be talking about. You're listening to Voices of Reason. Jason Lee, Amy Donaldson, back with the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason, joined today by political consultant and our friend, Ann Dent. And uh, so uh, we just had the state of the state. Yeah, last Governor, night. Uh, uh, Spencer Cox. And Ann wants to get to something that's very important, too, but I, we just want to kind of lay a framework well, I th- here. The reason I thought maybe to, to discuss the state of the state is because I think it's, sets, it's supposed to set the tone for the way the legislature will operate, right? It's not just where we're at. It's what we're going to be doing on. And I thought he um, – I thought Governor Cox um, – there were a lot of things in it that are, are good and I love the idea of it. I were, I, I, I'm having trouble. I'm like the person who's been lied to <laughs> because I, I think we saw that with the redistricting that the comments were overwhelmingly against what the legislature did and they chose to ignore that. And so I'm listening to this. Um, let's be an example of working together and helping each other and taking care of the, the most vulnerable. But the actions of the recent past have not supported that. So I, I struggled with that. But I thought a lot of things that he said were good. And I hope that they come true. And I hope that the this idea of working together isn't just working together, the supermajority working together to do what they want in spite of what the public or anybody else wants, that they'll look at people who are in the minority party and say, you have good ideas too, or that's a good suggestion and that will make my idea better. And I I, I don't know. I listened to somebody the other day who said the biggest issue we have is that we just don't talk to each other anymore. And it was a guy, who a playwright. But, but I thought that is so – it's just so much about political wins and I just don't know – I thought the speech, the tone of the speech was amazing and and lovely, and I hope and pray it is the tone of this session. But you're you're watching more than I am, and I, I had to take a break after the COVID mask mandate discussion. This is so interesting because you're usually the jaded, like, this sucks, and I'm usually the, it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And I listened to it. And I just thought, this is like every state of the state. Utah is amazing. And we work together. And we listen to each other. And I'm like, can you give me examples of that? Because in no way in the last couple of years do I feel anybody is really working I can give you an with example. each other. I can give you an example. Criminal justice reform. And, and, the, and the effort to repeal the death penalty. There's a bill that is gonna, likely going to come to vote. And, and I think it will pass. And that is and, – and right now, 50, only 51 percent of Utahns support um, the death penalty. So it's Which the, is the majority. But by 1 percent. And it's the, it's, that is the best scenario that it's ever been for getting rid of the death penalty. It used to be just like 10 or 12 years ago, 75 percent of people supported the death penalty. So – and there's a lot of reasons people don't support it that don't have anything to do with reverence for life. It has to do with how much it costs and the system. And you don't see rich people who have money for a private attorney on death row. There's a lot. And I think the Innocence Project, but you saw Brian Stevenson came, um, visited Utah and talked about it. So I think that's an ex- the criminal justice reform and what's happening there is an example of when 
they listen to each other across party lines? I think that's like a little fraction of criminal justice reform. Let's just What's be really like, important, though. Absolutely yeah. important. Yeah. But let's talk about things that and you just say an that, example. And that <laughs> is an example. <laughs> But I'm just talking about in the last couple of years, like we have like our elected officials can't get along. We are not working together to help each other. We are more ever. We are more divided as a state, I think, than we have ever been. And so I feel like these talks from our governors, because I don't feel like this this state of the state was any different than a Herbert talk Honestly, Herbert was a prior governor. They're the mm-hmm. they're the same tone, and I feel like it's almost gaslighting us. We are working together, but guess what? I'm the governor, but this legislation, they legislators, they don't listen to me. Like mm-hmm. I have to go in and negotiate with them, and kind of like lose my skin. It, it is it's really almost comedic at this point. Nobody really is listening to each mm-hmm. other. There's and the big issues: affordable housing, homelessness. We're not healthcare, healthcare, education, you know, racial equity. So, what do you, what did you think of the announcement of the task force on? Um, oh, I'll have to look up. The well, did you name. did you yeah. see the makeup of that task force? Task force on what? I'm sorry, we have to kind of yeah. Give us the, give us the DL. So it is a well. What is the te- is it the technical name? Is the racial equity task not racial equity? Racial. Amy, you look it up. But yeah, I'll look it up. You can. They put together. A t- they made this big announcement on the Hill, and it was you know in front of the press and um, with our legislators, our majority leader Mike Schultz. Um, and some other, um, you know, they had um, the Quad Caucus, which is the um, caucus that is um, our BIPOC legislators mm-hmm. um, who are Democrats. Um, they were they are going to be a part of this group as well. Cool. And got it. Go ahead. It's the um, uh, their group. The task force is to develop. Uh, K through 12 curriculum on diversity and inclusion. Um, so there's competing. I should mention, though, there are competing um, efforts to either make what we teach kids smaller and more white or make it more inclusive and larger. And I was really shocked. I watched this press conference on on uh, social media. I think it was on YouTube or Facebook Live or something. Um, but Sandra Hollins was there. Um I'm trying to remember. Senator was, Sandra Holland's the only black person in the Utah State Senate. Yeah, was it Luz? Is mm-hmm. Luz Escamilla Luz on the mm-hmm. and Mike, Senator? I did not expect Mike Schultz to be involved. Candace Perucci was there. Um, so uh, I, I was shocked by that coalition. I was like, the, just those four people. I'm like, wow. I'd love to have a conversation with the four of them. <laughs> well, we but, already know where they stand. They are yeah. anti CRT. They are an- so like. Well, some of them are. Uh, Senator Hollins is not anti-CRT. Yeah, but uh, I'm just going to be very frank. Like yeah. they put Se- Senator Hollins, like she passes resolutions or tries, and you know it doesn't get us anywhere. Well, like, who's asking me? She knows Martin Luther King Day. I'm not yeah. saying she don't. It doesn't all work. Their but voices have a voice. Their yeah. voices stand out, but they don't make any headway. 
because the this yeah. super majority pushes back. So we can put together these coalitions that look great. Well, I want to watch this. I want to see. I mean, Juneteenth Day. I'm sorry. If they really don't, do, if nothing happens with these coalitions, mm-hmm. yeah. and if they don't listen to these individuals that are the Sandra Hollins. I want to call a representative Hollins, Senator Escamilla, if they don't actually listen to them, it's yeah. just a show. And so I, I think what Jason has said repeatedly, and I think is really true, is it's really hard to hate up, up close. And I think that they're, um, you know, Senator or Representative Schultz and Perucci are going to get an education just being in the room and having these conversations. Mm-hmm. My guess is they don't have much you know social contact with people outside of their own universe and so i think there could be some thing good come i'm interested to watch it because at the time when you have these really um uninformed or misinformed groups saying we have to stop teaching crt which we're not doing in in elementary schools and and basically they just want no mention of uh any person of color doing anything interesting or good <laughs> that's really what we're talking about and and mis misrepresenting a lot of aspects of our history that's what they're talking about doing well in the same time they're doing that um and talking about banning books this is formed i was really shocked and i listened to the press conference and i was like well i'm not buying what they're selling yet but i am interested i would like to hear those conversations i've seen these task force form before and I've seen the people of color get frustrated and disillusioned and basically give up and not participate um, or not endorse what comes out of it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And I, I just thought, especially Mike Schultz being in there with Luz Escamilla, I think that would be an interesting It's dynamic. a start. Mike Schultz, our majority leader who um, had was COVID positive about a month ago and said – I'm not afraid of it, and I've been trying to get it for a very long time. But also he did support sort of this election integrity issue. Like he was, you know, he wanted to audit. He wanted to support auditing our elections, which thankfully that got squashed. And I did think Spencer Cox basically saying it's a big lie to say the elections were stolen. Um, And I thought coming out really strongly on that was important. Thank you, Governor. Because there are people. He was in charge of the election. He knew. Absolutely. And I think, and Utah has been a leader on like how to involve people, you know, get vote by mail. Don't even get me started with vote vote by mail has made everybody's life better. But yet there are are places around this country that are trying to squash that to make it more difficult for people to vote. We got to end this segment. When we come back, we're going to talk about that uh, budget surplus that Ann wants to talk about. Uh, Tax cuts, really? (laughs) (laughs) Some things about legislation and and just governments just are head scratchers that just really annoy the crap out of me. But, you know, we still have to have uh, constructive discussions about it. You're listening to Voices of Reason. Jason Lee, Amy Donaldson, back with the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason, here today with political consultant Ann Dent. So, Ann, uh, we have, because we're such a well-managed state, which every governor has ever said in a State of the State address or anything else, whenever there's a microphone involved, we are at a point where our legislators, because they are Republican, they think the answer to everything is cutting taxes, which to me always makes no sense because how do you pay for things, you know, uh, how do how does that happen without revenue? We have a surplus, and we've had one for many many years. I mean, this has been going along. Uh, I've been here since two thousand one, 
and we've had a, a surplus almost every year of the uh, of all that time. But I know one of the things that the legislature is considering is yet another tax cut. I throw the ball in your court. What are we looking at, and and what are the kinds of programs that would potentially be impacted by this? So this year we're looking at a $1.2 billion surplus. And what's so interesting and fascinating for me to follow is the um, different ways the two you know, parties or the R's and the D's want to um, deal with this surplus and tax cuts. Um, the R's definitely, the Republicans... Um, which is our majority, um, want to do a sweeping um, tax cut. And that would, you know, everybody would be affected by like two or three dollars. And the Democrats, they want to look at programs and they want to, you know, the big thing they are pushing this year for this session is they want to cut our food tax. Huge push for that, which would really, really help um you know, marginalized, impoverished families, it would help all of us, you know. And but particularly them. I mean, like, I don't necessarily need to help as much as somebody who's really on the uh, the brink of either in poverty or right, right there. Absolutely. Yeah. Because, you know, as you think about it, when we're spending money on groceries, even an extra $10, $20 a month a savings on groceries is that's huge that's like going to work like we think about these amounts and some people are like that's not i've heard legis- republican legislators say oh that's only an extra 20 dollars a month and then i say that's huge in some people's lives that's a bill to somebody that's huge right. so i think that what we're looking at here is the same historical thing of like democrats pushing for um, let's help people that need it. And Republicans are trying to cut from people that don't need the help. They're flourishing and we're trying to help them as well. Yeah. I mean, I have mixed feelings about tax cuts. Um, I I need to see like eventually like where the rubber meets the road. Like what are you paying for? How much does it cost? And what are you talking about giving us back? Um, because I do think that there should be some tax cut. I think it should be weighted to the bottom half of us versus cause, because the Trump tax cuts were definitely weighted towards the, the more wealthy people. Um, I think doing some kind of state uh, child, child tax credit would be a better idea. I think a daycare assistance, um, you know, the pre-K, um, those would be better uses, in my opinion, of, of a surplus. But people... They have mixed feelings about how much of that is the government's responsibility and how much of that is an individual's responsibility. And I would just say with we with an influx of um, re- in our refugee communities and with uh, everybody taking an economic hit because of the pandemic, like let's create more of a safety net than we m- normally would think we would use and and then see how things go. I, w- I just think don't think of this like you always do because the situation we are in right now is unique. And different, and I think this idea. That, explain what you mean by that. Because I think it's not just a matter of like, oh, we have this extra money. Should we make more programs or whatever? I think the world has been upended in the last two years in a lot of ways. I mean, I just read that fifty babies were hospitalized with COVID in the last two weeks in Utah. Um, the the amount of medical debt that's being incurred alone is going to bankrupt most of these families. Um, I I just think. 
creating more of a social safety net than a Utahns are normally willing to create because of the pandemic is is what our legislature should do. I think what they'll do is it's easy to say, I'm going to give you a tax cut, and then I can talk about that as a success. It's much, much more difficult to say, we got rid of cash bail. We reformed training for police officers. We raised the standard for police reviews. We These are harder things to say this was a success. But that's really what governing is, and that's really what we want is, you know, the world has not been normal for two years. So we're going to think outside the box and look at, you know, do we need to create some cell towers in more rural communities? Um, you know, that's what uh, I, I know down on the Navajo Nation, uh, the healthcare Utah Navajo Health Systems applied for grant money uh, from the federal government, got it and create and built cell towers so that people could do telehealth. That's just one of the ways in which you just have to think differently about this time that we're in. So normally I'm like, let's just have the tax cut because debating what we are or are not going to pay for just makes me feel terrible as a human being. <laughs> so, but think, I, I wish and hope that they would think a little bit more like, okay, we're not normally down with this, but let's think about doing it. We have this extra money. A lot of this surplus is because of the CARES Acts, part one and part two. So let's see if we can pass that um, that benefit onto us as a society. Maybe you are not going to have 20 extra bucks to spend but your neighborhood will be safer. I mean, we just had three kids get shot in an, in right. you know near my neighborhood. Maybe we need to do more um, and do something different so that this kind of stuff is not happening. I mean, I think that like if you um, watch session, like if you, you really watch <laughs> like if, it, like yeah. me, yeah. Um, you see bills like this, at, you know, put forth and they get shot down. Um, so I think that the reason they're do the Democrats are really pushing this food tax is because it is sweeping and it is something that will affect a large group. And we, you know, when and there's we always try to push forth, you know, um, firearm bills and different, you know, different bills that like you are suggesting and they always, always get they don't even get out of a rules committee. Let I mean, let alone get to the floors. So um, this is a bill that could affect so many people. And I think in a in in a perfect world or a perfect legislature, we, we should pass what you're talking about. Yeah. But I don't know if that's So what's realistic. your best guess? My best guess is we're getting a tax cut and the food bill passes. The food tax repeal will pass because it is a tax cut. First first and foremost, it's a tax cut for everybody and and they can point to that. But it's a it it, it feels like a con, uh like a concession to the Republicans to say, "Oh, we gave you this. Don't ask us for anything else." Well, I mean that if anybody knows that's how this works, right? I'll give you this and then you guys kind of act like we that's did something. Way. We did something for you. We did you. a social we did a social right. program for you. We, we gave you what you wanted. Also a tax cut. We yeah. Helped, we helped those people. <laughs> we're feeding your poor. That's yeah. right. right. That's yeah. not we're caring us. For they're the not poor. our poor, they're your poor. Yes, that's why I said that, right? Because there is a percentage of people that have actually made money through the pandemic. I actually just read a tweet on the way here. I was stopped at a stoplight and it said the man said, I loved Governor Cox's um, speech. I, you know, our Utah has thrived from the pandemic. My kids are still in school and this state is just doing so great. And I thought, 
where do you live and who are you? Well, here's the thing, though. I mean, there's always haves and have nots. Absolutely. Right? I've been fortunate. I've never missed a paycheck uh, during all of this. Well, that makes me really lucky because there's plenty of people who haven't had that circumstance. So that guy, though, unfortunately, probably doesn't recognize his good fortune. He thinks that's just prevalent among the, the, the masses when in actuality we know that that's not true. If you live in your bubble, you can make it seem like the world is a great place. And the reason I don't ever do that is because I have seen abject poverty. And and I we described it a little bit earlier, you know, just having grown up. My mom was from rural Mississippi. Uh, I grew up in Chicago where I've seen uh, this, this enormous disparity in, in, in wealth growing up all my life. And it's, it's only gotten worse. Well, those people who are on the bottom end of the social uh, and economic ladder, their lives – are tenuous every day. Not sometimes. They don't have downtime. They have, their lives are trying to you know, keep their noses above the water. And we don't think enough about them. We, we think of just our own little circle. And, and if that's going well, then the world's going well. But it, uh, if, if something bad has happened to me, somebody in my family gets sick or I got cancer or something, then the, then the world sucks. We have to, at some point, think of our society as a whole, and including those who are the least among us in terms of their economic resource and their ability to help themselves, that's when we we reach down and help them because we have the ability and we have the resources to do it, and it won't impact our lives in any significant way. When we come back, we will finish this thing up. I we There's so much politics to talk about, but I love I'd love to talk to some of the law enforcement bills if we want to get to we, that. We can absolutely do that. You're listening to Voices of Reason. Whatever. We are back with the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason, Jason Lee, Amy Donaldson. And today, speaking with political consultant Ann Dent, our state legislature has just begun. Uh, and like so many states around the country, because this is, this is how uh, January begins, when each legislature starts talking about the kinds of ways they can help, hopefully help their state, uh, that may be different in some places, because we have a supermajority, the Republicans rule everything, and they decide what happens, and we kind of have to live with it. Sometimes it's okay. Sometimes they miss the mark, in my opinion. All right. So we've just started this. And what do we what should we look for and and, and how this process will kind of evolve? Because this is a six week process. It's a six weeks, six week legislature. Absolutely. I think this. Uh, so the first week it, um, in session, we um, talk about they are looking at the budget and it's a lot of budget talks and bills that are up they first go to a rules committee and this rules committee will decide what even gets out of this rules committee that goes to um, the different committees that have public hearings and so those oh, so the public will get heard at some point absolutely except for the ones that bypass that like we saw with the mask yeah. mandate now that is not very common so this week what you're you'll hear on the house floor and the senate floor is pushing it to the rules committee and so um, i'm excited to um, come back and each week and talk about different bills that the house and the senate will debate um, each committee um, is comprised of legislators that are appointed. And so, um, you know, the executive appropriations committee, that is like the grand poobah of committees. They decide where all the money goes. 
um, you, to get on that committee, you have to be someone of someone. But each committee is comprised of different legislators. Um, you know, a really good tool is uh, le.utah.gov. If you go to that website, you can look at um, each legislator, what committees they're on. There's also a calendar. The calendar will tell you um, who's in, what's in session, and you can watch it live as well. It's really a great tool. And I, I, I suggest if you're on social media like following your representatives and mm-hmm. maybe leadership um, because then you'll kind of know, oh, we're debating this today or I'm bringing this issue to the floor or, or I'm going to have this meeting or the, there's a chance for the public to comment on X. Um, those are all good ways to kind of keep track of things because they have done a better job of like Facebook Live and you can listen remotely on most of these things. And um, I, I think it's made the legislative process more accessible to more people. It's just a lot of people do not know that it's available to them. So, and it's all public. So, yeah. I mean, we we do have a pandemic surging, but if you want to be brave and wear a mask, you are absolutely um, well. Masks aren't com- you don't have to. You wear don't a have mask, to, but actually. you should. But I'm encouraging you to wear a mask. But you can attend a committee. You can attend um, Senate or House floor time, and it, I encourage everybody to do that. It's really for me. It's fun, but it's really interesting to see how it all works. And um, you have the, to see how the sausage is made. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, I don't know. What does what does democracy look like up close and personal? <laughs> and the Capitol is such a fascinating place. So I encourage everybody to at least go up once and like, uh, you know, take part. And even you, you can take part in public hearings. You can. There are so well, many just ways listen to the public hearings. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of you'd be surprised the information you get hearing people because there are folks who are like into this. Right. So they go all the time. Yeah. I, I've been to a few public hearings. I mean, mostly as a reporter. But I just remember thinking they these are people who either city councils or legislators, they know their names because mm-hmm. these people have made a mark. They they are they are serious about their uh, civic duty. And to me, that's kind of the the, uh, the wonderful greatness of democracy, having the opportunity to be a part of it if you so choose. But I want more people to be like that, not obsessed like me, but I would like everybody in the grocery store to know who their city council representative is and who their school board Well, and I will say you, you can look up uh, really easily at uh, that website that you gave out and you can look up your own or just Google your own representative based on your address and then you can meet them. And I will say that once you meet somebody and say, hey, you're my representative, then when you send an email because they're talking about banning books at your kid's school, um, the it it does it gets their attention in a way that it won't if it's just a random if they if they know you live there and you might vote for them, it's different than just a random person sounding off about an issue. Um, so I just encourage you to get to know people in that way and then to thank them for the good things they do too because certainly criticizing them for the bad things or the things we disagree with. Um, but I, there's a lot of really interesting things that are going to be debated, a lot of law enforcement related bills that are going to come up. And hopefully we'll get a chance to talk about those in the coming weeks as That's they right. come come through committee. Um, but you're talking about um, there's a lot of criminal justice reform. Um, but one thing I would say pay attention to is how is the money being spent? Where is right. the surplus going? And then you can decide, would you rather have a tax cut or would you rather have them spend it on a bullet train to St. George, which is one of the <laughs> one of the things I heard proposed, which everyone says, but that's not a bad idea. I don't. It's not at all. You know, it's there's, not at all. 
There's a lot. Of, I would, would just say cost way too much money. I would say there that you need to improve um, public transportation, especially on the west side of the valley, east to I would west say, traffic. The entire valley. Yeah. You know, I'm, I come from Chicago, right? When I grew up, you didn't have to own a car. Yeah. And you could just take the bus. There are so many people. The bus does not come to my house. I still find that crazy. Uh, what what I think could happen if the legislature and uh, city civic leaders. They should make it so that all the major streets have a bus line. And I don't mean uh, that come every 30 minutes. I'm talking about every 10 minutes. If you did that, you could change the uh, atmosphere in the valley. We would get rid of a lot of smog because you could use electric or natural gas. Well, you want to use electric buses, which they have plenty of. Make the uh, the system more robust so that people have a, um, a motivation to use it. Because it, it, it allows them to get to where they need to go at a, in a costly fashion, in an in a, you know, affordable fashion, and, and then be able to use it day and night and on the weekends. But they don't do it. And How then do they we make why that important it. for – so we have to make that important for our legislators, right? right? And most of them don't find it important for themselves. Because they have cars. Well, but, but I think there is an issue of air quality right now. Um, there is an issue of, of what are we going to do about that, and these are these are ways. So there's more than one way into an issue. Instead of maybe you don't care because you have a car and you're driving your car every day, but you might care if it means that your kid with asthma or your grandkid with asthma or your neighbor kid with asthma um, can't go outside and play because the air is so disgusting. I don't dare run in the valley right now. So I think there. Are, um, a lot of ways, and I think listening to those people who come in to make comments, I always hear something I had not considered. Mm-hmm. Uh, they always come in and say, this is my situation, and I think, I didn't know that because that's not my experience. And I hope that the legislators, the people making this decision, will consider more than just their own personal framework, belief system, and experience because that's the key, I think, to everyone feeling like they have a, a piece of, of this democracy. I feel like what we need to do is just, again, be more empathetic to those not outside of your circle and outside of your universe, as Amy likes to say. You know, that's how you can help the masses, by not thinking of how it's going to help necessarily your neighbor, but your neighbors far-reaching in, in the communities we live in. We, we, You know, you live in a state, you live in a, a county, you live in a city. The All of this matters. And to all of those people, and as, as much as you can, if you can kind of visualize how how can we, uh, you know, as a society, help everybody in some way, maybe we get a little further along with this. Uh, and thank you. We will look forward to having you back soon. Thank you. Uh, join us again for the next episode of the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. If you have any comments about the show, please contact us via email at vormed at gmail.com or at vorjasonl at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at Sports and at JasonLee1. Our show's Twitter handle is at VORpodcast. Check out our Facebook page, and you can also find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast, any of the places where you find interesting podcasts. Also, be sure to review our show as well. We love to get your feedback, and of course, it helps us grow our audience. Until next time, I'm Jason Lee along with Amy Donaldson. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason. Voices of Reason is a production of the Loudmouth Project.
two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow the letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts.